in here. It is 6.05, so I think we'll get started. Um, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight uh, for the second community meeting on the Holmes Point Overlay Zone Street Design Standards and the Holmes Point Drive Corridor Study. I am Rosalie Wessels with the City of Kirkland Public Works Department, and I'd like to take a minute to introduce you to our team. Uh, Hunter, could you introduce yourself and uh, your title? Hi, I'm Hunter Richards. I am the project coordinator in the CIP group of Public Works, and I am the project manager on this project. Thanks. And Mandy? Hi, everyone. I'm Mandy Roberts with OTAC. We are your consultants on the project, and I am our project manager. And let's see, with me tonight, we have Sierra Carson. If you want to introduce yourself, Sierra. Okay, great. It's a little bit hard to hear still. If you could adjust your microphone, thank you. And then also Catherine Woodhouse is uh, with OTAC, has been helping with the project. Hi there. <laughs> and we also have uh, Jordan Siegel with us tonight, uh, who's gonna help uh, facilitate uh, the breakout rooms. All right, so the goal of bringing you together tonight is to get your feedback on potential pedestrian and bicycle facilities, as well as on the draft concepts of two types of streets in this study, the Holmes Point Drive and your local neighborhood streets, and feedback on potential improvements to include in the design standards. So how are we planning to achieve this goal of getting your feedback uh, over technology here? Well, the short of it is we're going to utilize breakout rooms to facilitate discussion with your neighbors. Um, but first, Hunter's going to walk through key considerations of the plan, update you on what's been done since the last meeting. Uh, we'll provide a recap of what we heard from attendees at that meeting. And then uh, Mandy and Sierra will provide a presentation of the draft concepts for Holmes Point. After those uh, Holmes Point cross-sections are presented, we're gonna break you out into small groups with a facilitator in each group so you can provide feedback and have discussion with your neighbors on the proposals. Uh, that will last about 15 minutes and then we'll uh, pull everybody back into this main room and each facilitator will provide a group summary of the discussion. Uh, then we'll do the same for neighborhood and local streets with a presentation and then another breakout session for that topic, uh, coming together for uh, a readout from facilitators on what was uh, discussed. And then at the end, we'll conclude with a quick poll and uh, with remaining time, answer any unanswered questions that you might have. If you do come up with questions during the presentation, we hope you'll be able to get those answered in the breakout session. And if not, that time at the end uh, is for those questions. To limit background noise, please remain on mute. And there's no pressure to have your camera on during the presentation, but if possible in the breakout room, it would be nice if you could turn your camera on uh, to have that discussion with your neighbors. And I will start sharing the screen here and I'll turn it over to Hunter uh, for uh, key considerations. Hunter, are you there? 
Hi, sorry, is that working? Yes, you're good now. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Um, so yes, so a little bit of background on the project and kind of the purpose of the study. Um, so we've had development occurring in the Holmes Point overlay zone uh, that has been following some inconsistent street standards. So the hope is to really get street standards, find minimum recommendations and requirements, especially with anticipated development happening in the future. Um, some of the key challenges is that within the Holmes Point overlay zone, uh, we have actually some of the biggest area of sensitive environmental areas within the city of Kirkland. This includes deep slopes, slopes that have a uh, risk of erosion or landslide hazards, um, and we have a lot of mature trees. So with these street standard recommendations that we've gotten from OTAC, uh, they've really incorporated the feedback that we got at the December meeting and meeting with the development group, surface water, throughout public works for the city to really incorporate city's input and public input uh, to really guide what these street standards will be. So OTAC has created these cross sections, which they'll go through during their presentation and different recommendations for pedestrian facilities, bicycle facilities, and um, just improvements to safety, uh, reducing speeds and providing pedestrian facilities throughout the corridor. All right, thanks Hunter. So um, this is a quick recap of what we heard at the first meeting. Um, we, the key comments that came out of that were preserved neighborhood character is a high priority for this area. And it is important to have a flexible approach for the different streets in the area. For Holmes Point Drive uh, corridor specifically, there was the need for safer walker, walking and biking conditions. Uh, traffic is um, moving at a faster speed than people are comfortable with, prefer a less urban pedestrian solution, and uh, addressing safety challenges on the hills. Around OO Denny Park, um, parking is an issue um, that the neighborhood is acutely aware of. Safety concerns for pedestrians, additional pedestrian paths um, are needed, and there neighborhood is interested in a more aesthetic improvement that fit the neighborhood characteristics. And as far as local access neighborhood streets go, what we heard was that there are few existing safety issues that all users of the street are able to use, uh, share the pavement, uh, but there is interest in pedestrian connectivity and that it's important to consider tree preservation. And now I will uh, stop sharing and allow OTAC to begin their presentation. Okay, Sierra, will you um, bring our presentation up then? Starting on that, the slide that uh, Rosalie stopped on. Great, thank you so much. Okay, well, when we met in December, which some of you may have been in attendance at that meeting, we talked about different street types in the neighborhood. And uh, since then we've done some more analysis and we've kind of zeroed in on um, some different segments for Holmes Point Drive, which you see here, as well as categorizing the neighborhood streets, which are the low volume, low speed, local access streets that you see there in the blue color. 
And many of those are, are very narrow, um, provide access to a few residents and homes. And, uh, you know, those are the types of streets that uh, Rosalie was just mentioning. We heard people say last time, we feel fairly street, you know, the community says we feel fairly safe on these streets. We're sharing these, we're walking, bicycling, driving on these. Um, on Holmes Point Drive, however, we heard a lot of concerns about speeds of travel and um, lack of connected pedestrian and bicycle facilities and whatnot. So um, we've looked at Holmes Point Drive pretty um, to a pretty fine degree, and we've identified these different segments that have um, different character that we'll show you some cross sections that we've developed for those areas in a few minutes. But the red areas that you see are the entry segments. The yellow represents the waterfront area. The main difference between the entry and the waterfront areas is really the density of homes and, and uh, improvements within the right-of-way, um, including driveways, fences, landscaping, things like that. Um, in the red entry areas, a lot of that is um, mature trees along the corridor. And those entry areas are also uh, sloped, as we know. Um, so it's really a downhill, uphill climb um, back to Juanita um, Drive to get to get to those entry areas. Um, so we've also identified O.O. Denny Park as the green segment. And then we do have these transitional areas, which are the red, yellow striped. And those just really mean that the standards that we're developing could be adopted um, flexibly in those areas because they have varying character. Okay, next slide. Thank you, and, and we can go on. So first of all, what we wanted to do is share with you some of the different pedestrian and bicycle facilities that we're considering for these areas. Uh, and we're trying to really think outside the box and get creative about what we can fit in some of the tight areas that I'll show you in a minute. So we were looking at shared facilities, um, perhaps an advisory shoulder that pedestrians and bicyclists could share. Sharrows, which I'm sure you've seen, those are the arrow emblems that are in a lot of streets where the vehicles and bicyclists are sharing the lane. We also looked at how to visually separate pedestrians and bicyclists with painted areas or candlestick markings. So some different facilities that are suitable for that. And then lastly, where space is available, having a physically separated um, pedestrian or, and or bicycle facility could be helpful, whether it's a buffered pedestrian bike lane or a separated path. So if you go to the next slide, we'll show you some examples of these. So here are some photographs of advisory shoulders. And the main thing that we're after there is to really make that area visually distinctive from the rest of the driving pavement where people are driving. Just so drivers can be aware, hey, pedestrians and even bicyclists may be using that shoulder. And um, if, um, if there aren't pedestrians and bicyclists present, then drivers can move into the shoulder to pass one another or pass um, other vehicles that are coming their way. So that's that's kind of a good way to share a narrow space um, and it's done around the country. Next slide. So here's some examples of Sharrows. I'm sure you've seen those a lot because they're all over um, Kirkland, the east side, Seattle. Uh, but basically this is just telling you, hey, 
as you're driving down this lane, there could be bicyclists um, here. So be ready to share, um, share the lane with them. Next slide is um, really some different approaches to pedestrian bike lanes that are also shared and provide some visual cues to show drivers that they're there and separated. So you could use stencils and striping. Um, you could also use a different type of pavement or pavement texture. So just some examples of those. Next slide. And then here's some buffered uh, bike lanes, which are they're used by pedestrians and, and bikes, um, sometimes exclusively, sometimes shared. Um, the example here in the lower left-hand side is actually from Juanita uh, Drive. And it, you can see that this is a bike lane here and it's separated with some candlesticks. So we think this might be a potentially good type of improvement to have on Juanita Drive in those, I mean, on Holmes Point, excuse me, in those areas of the entry zones where um, it's a steep slope and bicyclists need to climb, having a separate lane for them could work really well. And then you can also use um, curbs uh, or other elements to help separate these areas as shown in these other photos. Okay, next slide. Uh, a separated pathway is the greatest. <laughs> we would love to have a separated pathway for particularly for the entire distance of Holmes Point Drive. Unfortunately, it takes a little bit more space to fit those in because you not only have the width of the path, but you have this landscape area, which can be planted in native plantings and you know, low maintenance, um, low water use. Uh, and the thing that's really nice about that is it really helps integrate the path into the character of the roadway in the neighborhood, um, you know, as opposed to a curb and gutter sidewalk, which I'll show you in a minute. This has a little bit more um, neighborhood character, a little bit easier green green look and feeling to it. So we like this look. It's just a little challenging to know it, you know, if we'll be able to fit this for the entire distance of Holmes Point Drive. Next, next one. I'm watching the clock too because I want to make sure I don't go over time. <laughs> okay, so here's some examples of more, I would call them more formal improvements, curb, gutter, sidewalk. And uh, we did hear in the December meeting that there were some concerns about some of the curb, gutter, sidewalk areas being developed in the neighborhood that they just seemed to really seem more urban and more formal and, and uh, lacking that neighborhood character. So we wanna hear more about that from you tonight and uh, see if there's some preferences that you might have for, for these types of facilities. Okay, next, next one. Um, so the other thing we keep hearing about is concerns about speed. And I will say mostly on Holmes Point Drive is where we're hearing that. If tonight there are some other places to be concerned about, we'd like to hear about that. Um, so there's a few things we can think of related to speed management. Uh, if you wanna go to the next slide. Uh, one of them is a um, technique that is being used in some other cities uh, across America but it, this really hasn't been done in Washington yet. So I wanna put a little bit of a caveat with this and say, you know, we like this idea a lot and we think it could really draw attention to the neighborhood and serve as a way to get people to slow down as they're traveling through Homes Point. But we have a little bit more homework to do and coordination to see if this is really something that can be implemented in, in Kirkland since it's a new idea. 
On the other hand, Kirkland could be the first in Washington to implement it, which would be great. So the idea is that you designate your neighborhood. You have an area that you designate as a slow zone. You um, reduce the speed on all roads to 20 miles per hour. And then you can create a gateway with these signs, similar to these signs, although we spell neighborhood the way we spell it in the US. That's a Canadian example there. So um, we think this could be good as a way to kind of let people know, hey, we want you to go a little bit slower in our neighborhood. Um, there's other things too that we've talked about in the past, like um, neighborhood radar signs, which I'm sure you've seen, flashing yellow lights if you're speeding, um, other kinds of traffic calming uh, types of techniques that can be looked at. So um, there's, a, there's a bigger toolbox around speed management that the city um, has a handle on and can look at um, as we determine where the key problem areas are here in this neighborhood. Okay, next, next slide then. I think we're ready to go into the design concepts. So this is pretty exciting. Um, we took a really deep dive into these streets. And if you wanna go to the next slide, Sierra, we can share um, all this great work that Sierra and Catherine have done. So um, what we did related to the different um, segment types of Homes Point Drive is we developed some minimum cross-section options. What would be the absolute minimum type of improvement that we would like to see in those areas? And then some other options um, depending on the location. So we'll show those to you um, now in sequence. So the first one is a concept for the entry area. And the entry areas have very similar dimensions and character on both the north and south segments of Holmes Point Drive. Um, very forested character on each side and um, no pedestrian or bicycle facilities now, basically. We do have a, a right of way that's wider than what you see there. And you can see these arrows kind of tell you how much more space we have, 17 feet, 17 feet. But if you look at uh, the physical constraints that we're dealing with, we have topography and steep slopes on the um, right-hand side of this photo. And then we the topography also drops off on the left-hand side. And that's pretty similar throughout the corridor. So even though it seems like we might have space in the right-of-way, we physically don't have a lot of space to fit improvements in. So here's the minimum um, type of improvement that we were um, that we have been studying. And that would look at um, having a, um, a Shero in the downhill lane of travel that vehicles and bicyclists could share. And then a protected bike lane, climbing lane in the uphill um, segment of the corridor. And this would be a basic minimum standard that we would propose. The question remains, what about pedestrians? So we wanna hear from you tonight um, because I think, I know there might be a, a real interest in having a continuous pedestrian facility as well. And here's the key thing to remember is we think that would be great for the neighborhood. It would help people who are walking get up to Juanita Drive to have a pedestrian facility. The challenge is we would likely have to remove trees to fit that in. And I know there are lots of concerns about the beautiful mature trees in the corridor as well. So think about that when we go into the breakout rooms, we'll talk more about that. 
but perhaps um, this isn't this area may or may not need a continuous pedestrian facility. Maybe that is something that's more needed once we get to the residential homes and down by the waterfront more. So we can we can talk about that. Um, go to the next slide. <laughs> this is a um, cross-section concept for one of those waterfront areas that has more homes. And so you can see in these photographs that um, our constraints are not necessarily um, topography as much, although there are some slopes in certain areas, but we do have built features in the right of way. On the left-hand side, you can see, thank you. You can see there's a fence and that actually is in the right of way. We have utility poles that are in the right of way. And uh, in some cases, we even have carports and structures in the right of way. And that's just how things got built in King County, even before Kirkland um, had jurisdiction over this. So, you know, it's just a legacy that we have to deal with, but it does make it difficult to think about how are we going to fit improvements in this area. So if you go to the next slide, we do have a minimum standard of, of something that we think will fit pretty well without having to move too many things, although kind of site by site, there may be some adjustments needed. And this would be Sharrows in both lanes of travel. So that would be again, a signal to the drivers that bicyclists will be sharing the lane with you. So slow down and share the lane. And then the idea of a paved shoulder on one side and a buffered pedestrian path on the other side. The dimensions here are a little bit flexible. We could look at making either the shoulder narrower and the, the path wider or both a little bit wider. This is just kind of a, an example to start with, to look at together. Um, and then let's see, I think we have another one um, for another option for the um, uh, waterfront area that we're talking about. And there's one of the carports um, that's just there. Just That's just how things got built, but it is in the right of way. So it's a constraint that we need to work with and if we will show you the minimum um, section that we can fit there. And you can see um, in that area, we actually have enough room that we could fit a parking lane um, into the right of way and um, still have the buffered pedestrian path and a minimum uh, shoulder on the outside lane. So in some areas we have enough room where we can fit parking in and that would just kind of jog in and out along the corridor where it could be fit. And so another thing we wanna hear about tonight is how important having park, parking areas along Homes Point Drive are to you. Okay, next one. This is another option. So what we could do is have a bit of a wider separated path and no parking. And then of course the sh same shoulder on the left-hand side. Um, so this is a section that could be applied space by space along the corridor. So you could have some areas of wider pathways and some areas of parking. You know, it just depends on kind of how it can be designed as you laid out. But we wanna hear from you what's important, wider pedestrian path, parking, what are the, the trade-offs there? Okay, next slide. Uh, so we wanna talk a little bit about the um, Holmes Point um, section where OO Denny Park is. And um, we see this as really a special area because it is where a high concentration of pedestrians and bicyclists are kind of coming together with traffic and coming to the park. And there's a lot of overflow parking associated with this. So we took a really close look at this area and how 
you could improve upon the design that's there. Um, so we looked at um, kind of how people are parking today, how pedestrians and bicyclists are moving through the area, how much space we have. And then we developed a, a, a new concept for this area in the next slide that is um, really helping to delineate the pedestrian path on the, what would that be, the east side, more, um, more as you see here, kind of a concrete path and then a better crosswalk, improved crosswalk with um, curb extensions that narrow the crossing on either side. And then those curb extensions also help to contain the parking areas. So people know exactly where they can and can't park. It's very well defined. And then we also have a nice pedestrian path on the park side. So I think people traveling through this area would begin to see, hey, Pedestrians and bicyclists have um, a priority here and we need to slow down and respect that. And it just would have a different look and a different character. So if you look at the um, next slide, this is kind of a visualization of how that could look in perspective view. And so the, the street itself does narrow a little bit so we can gain more room for the pedestrian path and um, we also are showing sharrows. Those are actually not quite the right symbols I just noticed, but they should be sharrow symbols. And then we could actually have a bike lane um, in that section as well, if we think that's needed. But traffic should be moving slowly enough through here that sharing the road shouldn't be a problem at all. Okay, let's finish up by looking. Oh, good, one more, I forgot about this one. Yeah, so this just is a bit of a close up on how that crossing area could look. And you could have um, rectangular rapid flashing beacons there, which are, could be solar powered. I'm sure you've seen those in other places in Kirkland that light up when pedestrians are crossing as another way to um, just alert um, the drivers that pedestrians are moving across that area. Okay, great, thank you. Let's go on to um, the breakout discussion for Holmes Point Drive. And then we're gonna come back and talk about the local street cross-sections after that. So Rosalie, back to you. All right, <laughs> wonderful, thank you. Okay, so um, I'm not sure if you have done a breakout um, on Zoom before, but this is a nice way to get into a smaller group and uh, have a discussion about uh, a topic. So the topic, this topic will be Holmes Point Drive. Um, each group has a facilitator assigned um, and we kind of I split out the other city staff across the rooms as well. So uh, you could be in a room with a facilitator and city staff or a facilitator and a council member. So um, I believe I've got them all set. We've got 15 minutes allocated for this discussion and your facilitators have questions to lead your discussion. So I will- Rosalie? Yes. Mr. Bassett has a question. Oh, thank you. Uh, Lowell. I, I think you're on mute, Lowell. I've lived here for 55 years, so I have some perspective. How many of you have actually been to Denny Park on a crowded weekend? I'll just put my hand up. Oh, I don't know if you can see me. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, all the stuff you're talking about is fine, but the real problem is not the road. The real problem is there's not enough parking at the park. 
And so people are parked all over places where you already have signs that say no parking. They park up 68th Avenue that you couldn't get an emergency vehicle up there if you had to. And nobody ever addresses the problem that there's not enough parking at Denny Park. Okay, thank you. Um, I definitely don't have a solution to that loved park, um, but we have noted your concern. Um, but I mean, I think the things you're talking about are mostly beautification and they aren't going to solve the problems. I, I walk on Holmes Point Drive and it's not really a problem. Most traffic uh, is, is pretty slow. They go around the bicycles, they go around the pedestrians. I'm not quite sure why this whole issue of making a lot of changes to Home Point Drive has come up. One, one thing I might just mention, uh, and you know, this is still to be tested, but one of the objectives is if we were able to create a safer walking environment all the way through the corridor with a continuous path, would more people from the neighborhood walk to the park rather than drive and park there? And would that help to alleviate the problem? I think that's one of our hopeful objectives and we don't have a crystal ball to know that that would happen, but that is one of the things that we're trying for in this, um, in this project. Well, I just don't think that most of the people that are coming to Denny Park on the weekend are from the neighborhood. And then one last point I want to make before we do get into the breakout is that the plan is to develop uh, standards that we can then have uh, developers follow because there are, uh, currently are no standards for the area. And so we want to be able to have something that the community has weighed off or signed off on, and then we can get um, the developers when they are doing development in the area to follow those standards. So that's kind of why, you know, it's more than just any park, it's kind of the, the whole corridor, the whole Holmes Point area. Um, I do see a number of hands. I'm just curious if we can get to the breakout session and maybe you can get those questions answered in the breakout session. Um, okay, thank you, thanks Amy. I will go ahead and start the breakout. We've got 15 minutes for discussion in the breakout room and I will give a two minute warning for when I will bring you back.
Hi, Scott. Are you there?
Can you put me back in my room? Sorry. <laughs> can you? If you can't, that's okay. They're probably still talking. I cannot. That's okay. I accidentally left. I hit the, I, I was trying to close it and I hit that leave breakout room. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. They're, they were having a, John was in there, so they're having a good conversation. <laughs> All right, everyone will be back in 15 seconds. Okay. All right, welcome back. I hope that was a good experience. I found that the breakout rooms are very, very useful for facilitating discussion when there's a large group like this. So I hope that was good for you. So now we're going to do a quick recap from all of the facilitators. Since you were in your own room, but there were uh, four total breakout rooms, we want to hear what uh, the discussion was in the other rooms. And so um, I'll ask Mandy to start and give a uh, brief summary of what her group talked about. Yes, I will. And I had to leave my group by mistake a little early. So I think I got most of it. But um, one of the things we talked about is um, for the entry segments of Holmes Point Drive, that even though we have the bike facilities, people still really liked the idea of having a pedestrian path, but really wondered, you know, it doesn't have to be a traditional paved wider path. Could it be a foot trail through the trees that's you know, narrower and kind of meanders through, um, off separated from the from the road. But I think the consensus in our group was we definitely wanted to have a pedestrian facility. We didn't want people to have to walk in the bike lane because um, bikes go really fast and that's not safe for pedestrians. Um, and the, the number of trees really needs to be studied as far as how many trees would have to be removed. And perhaps if you did this foot trail approach, pathway through the trees, you wouldn't have to remove as many. And the point was made that there are already uh, trail networks, social trails through the trees and open space areas. And the, a lot of residents use those as a means to get uphill to Juanita Drive um, now. So taking a good look at that network and then deciding where you still need paths along um, uh, Holmes Point Drive to connect will be really important. Uh, another thing that um, we talked about is just that there would be some places that you might not be able to fit a path in at all because it's just too, too constraining. Um, one person mentioned that they had stopped walking to the park because there's a blind corner at the north end. Um, she lives at 62nd north end of Holmes Point. And it just, there's no place to walk there. So looking again at what the alternatives might be to get certain areas of the neighborhood down to the park is really important. Um, we talked, we moved on to talk about the waterfront segment a bit. And um, we started talking about the encroachments that are privately built features in the right of way. And our crew really felt like the public right of way is there for public use. And if those, features are in the public right-of-way and they're, they're 
encroaching in a way that blocks making a pedestrian improvement, they should be removed because the pedestrian path is needed for the neighborhood. Um, so I think that captured our discussion for the most part. Okay, thank you. Um, how about the group with Jordan and Hunter? Yeah, we had a pretty constructive conversation. We sort of started at the end of the stick and talked about what these solutions would have an effect on and sort of backtracked to the questions. And um, uh, of that, there was a pretty good consensus of our three participants to have the, the candlestick um, feature at the north and south ends of those entryways to the Holmes Point Drive. Um, followed by that um, pedestrian concerns weighed above the bikes, the bikes and the bicyclists, as opposed to the other way around. And really, there was a, a strong sentiment of that the, the parking uh, types of cross sections would um, would lead to more attraction to the park in general, that it wouldn't solve necessarily congestion, it would it could create congestion. And so of the cross sections that were preferred, the ones focusing on pedestrians um, was the consensus of being uh, the most uh, appropriate of, of our three participants. And of the pedestrian ones, the share road with the two shoulders was not the preferable one. Um, either the extended ped with, with a Shero on one side was preferred. You know, not, I'm not talking about the ones with the two shoulders and you're driving in the middle um, that was covered in New Hampshire. It would be the 10 foot wide pedestrian section. And then on the other side, uh, a Shero or some combination and um, definitely putting that closer to the park area. And so that, that was the main concern and then followed up with another um uh just tag on that the the work consider utilities and and services at the same time uh, of course okay thank you very much jordan uh catherine how about your group hey yeah so we had a great discussion in my group um I think we had a really good discussion of what, what's necessary for a minimum standard um, and that different people are gonna have different definitions of what, the, what minimum standard works for them. One thing we talked a lot about was the pedestrian facilities and that especially in those areas where students or children are walking to school or there's a high density of walkers, um, there's areas where it's preferable to have that physical buffer, whether that's a curb or a candlestick to actually separate people off the roadway. Um, but another thing we talked about too is that in areas where speed is the major problem, that uh, traffic calming measures may actually be more successful um, and need to be prioritized before pedestrian and, and bicycle facilities. And we talked about a few things that have been implemented, uh, radar signs, as well as the blue sign program to slow speeds. Um, and we also talked about uh, issues with expanding the roadway um, and not wanting to lead to higher speeds as a result of expansion. So that was one discussion. Um, we also talked about bicycle facilities. Um, I think we're hearing probably a common theme that in most areas, uh, shared roadway traffic with Cheros is, is very acceptable. Um, in the uphill areas, especially in the entryway, that separated uphill bike lane um, is really preferable. And that would probably be a great solution um, 
one other thing we talked about was the waterfront area um, and how you know these solutions are great, but there are challenges with the right of way. There are there is property and utilities encroaching, and so um, you know that needs to be looked at carefully to move forward. Thank you. And I did get a message that um, Jordan's group also talked about speed as an issue that they discussed. Um, and Sierra, how about your group? Oh, so my in my group, we talked a lot um, about how the pedestrian facilities really um, need to be the priority, especially along the waterfront area, um, and that uh, a buffered pedestrian pathway or separated pathway would be ideal, um, even if a couple of trees might need to come down um, to accommodate that. Um, we also discussed um, that pedestrians um, uh, facilities would be more important than bicycle facilities. Um, in general, um, and that uh, especially um, when it comes to speed and parking, um, the signage may not be the best, um, only may not be the best solution and that other uh, considerations um, should be discussed. Um, All right, that's great. Okay, now we're going to move on to local and neighborhood streets. Um, I, if Sarah, if you wouldn't mind sharing your screen for that presentation. Okay, so these are the local access or neighborhood streets uh, that are probably the places where many of you live um, off of Homeless Point Drive and that connect to Homeless Point Drive. And uh, while there are a, a variety of these across the neighborhood, a lot of them have pretty similar character in that they're fairly narrow. Um, they do have landscaping and trees up to the edges. No pedestrian and bicycle facilities generally unless there's a new, a new area that's been improved recently. So let's take a look at three different locations and some of the ideas for, um, for improving these areas, the standards for these areas. So um, again, it's a situation where we do have right of way However, there are mature trees and, and other elements in the right of way, um, but we do have space. And in some cases, these roadways are fairly flat on the edges. So you could put paths and um, shoulder improvements in if that was desirable. So let's take a look at what, what a minimum type of standard could be on these roads. So, Recognizing that even today, you know, there's not a center line and drivers are being cautious of each other and they're sharing the paved space. You could introduce that advisory shoulder um, that we showed you pictures of earlier. And that could be a shared space with people walking their dogs or walking, kids walking to school, even people on bikes if they didn't want to ride in the traffic lane. Um, but everybody would need to be traveling, you know, slow speed and being, you know, reminded that they're sharing that space as a shared space. Uh, so next, let's go to the next example. This one is a fairly, you can see that it's fairly wide um, uh, right of way that's fairly flat on either side, but the paved improvement width of the roadway is 22 feet, but it is a little bit more spacious than that last example that we looked at. So what can we fit in here if we look at our option? 
So on this one, we can actually get a little bit wider of a driving lane and, and a shoulder in as one option. Um, and then I think, do we have another option for this one? I thought so, yeah. And then another possibility would be, you know, adding on-street parking to one side of the street. Um, right now, it's, parking's not really delineated, but that's one of the things we want to hear from you on in the breakout rooms is, do you think on-street parking is important on some of these local access streets to make sure that we have space for that and can accommodate that? Or is pedestrian space more important? We're assuming generally on these very low volume, uh, low speed streets that bicyclists can share the space with traffic and, and you really wouldn't even need sharrows on these streets, except for in some, some cases. So let us know what you think about that too. Is that a good assumption or not? You can have a share the road bike signs without a lane or a sharrow um, to just facilitate that need. Let's take a look at the, the next option. So we could even go a little bit wider um, but and have parking on both sides. But again, the trade-offs would be that we're, the more that we expand into those edges, the more trees and landscaping would have to be changed and trees would have to remove. So we kind of want to hear from you, what's more important on some of these streets? Um, parking, pedestrian, or trees that are there? Uh, thank you, keep going. <laughs> Sorry, you're trying to hurry me up, aren't you, Sierra? <laughs> Um, so here's another example of a very of a much wider local access street, and uh, you know this might be the type of street where you would want to because of the width that's there and the lack of um, you know encroachments. There is space that you might want to have parking on both sides. So let's take a look at the examples for this one. Um, we've got a bit a bit wider pedestrian area with a buffered lane. Um, you know. To throw that out there as an idea, it really helps pedestrians feel more protected with where they're walking. Um, on the other hand, it really changes the look of your street, right? To have that white uh, white space on it. So wanna hear about that from you. And this also, this option shows parking on one side. We've got another option that shows parking on two sides. And then um, I think we've got another location altogether or was that the last one? I can't remember. That was the last one. Okay, great. All right. Do you mind if I call an audible here? And can we go back to the uh, the proposed facilities uh, since we're going to talk about it in the breakout room? Would you mind talking one more time through? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't mind at all. So let's go all the way back to the bed bike facilities, Sierra, just to talk those through a bit. Okay. Oops, there we go. <laughs> All right, great. Okay, uh, I think we can go to the next picture. This is just kind of an overview. So that advisory shoulder is the one that is delineated with this dashed, kind of skip dashed line. And pedestrians would primarily use that. Um, bicyclists could travel in the road or travel on the shoulder. You know, when you don't have a super high volume of pedestrians and bicyclists, people generally feel comfortable sharing an advisory shoulder like this. Um, next example is a Shero. So this is actually the symbol that should be shown on the um, 
OO Denny Park area. I think we just didn't have the Chevron on there, but it's a bit bigger. It's the, you know, the bike lane symbol is usually smaller. Shero symbol is, is bigger. And this is just advising um, both motorists and bicyclists that they are in a lane that's being shared. Okay, next one. Uh, so these are um, pedestrian lanes or bike lanes or shared pedestrian and bicycle lanes, which, you know, generally, and I agree with this, we talked about this in the last breakout group, pedestrians and bicyclists don't like to share lanes, <laughs> especially pedestrians, because they feel like they're in a bicyclist space and um, that that could be dangerous. So, um, however, sometimes when you don't have a lot of space and you can't have um, facilities for both, you could look at a way of sharing, such as this example in the top right-hand side that's in Detroit, Oregon. And then another way to delineate space along a road, especially for pedestrian use, could be with pavers or with crushed rock um, that looks different from the pavement or a different type of um, asphalt or you know, some way to change the color so it's, it's different. Okay, next, um, next one, these are the physically separated facilities. So we call these buffered bike lanes and pedestrian lanes. And it just really means that there is some sort of space. If you look at the lower right-hand side photograph, there's a space and a curb there in between where people are walking and where people are driving. And then in the Kirkland example on the left-hand side on Juanita Drive, there is a bike lane, but then there's also a double stripe and these candlestick um, markers. And again, that just helps the motors see, oh, that's, that's a protected bike lane over there. Don't stray over there. So that kind of covers, I think there's, is there another one coming? Yeah, so we talked about the, the separated path. And as these examples show, it doesn't necessarily have to be a large amount of separation you know, 18 inches, two feet, you can still put low planting materials in there. And then we have the next one is the curb gutter sidewalk, which is the more kind of formal pedestrian type of um, improvement on the next slide, Sierra. Yeah. Does that help, Rosalie? Okay. <laughs> Bring it more to the forefront again, since it was uh, a few a
Welcome back. Okay, I hope that was a great discussion again. Uh, we will, we're moving, uh, uh, we're well ahead of schedule, so we definitely have time for questions at the end. Um, we will do a quick recap of the facilitators. Um, so I'll go ahead and um, ask Catherine to start and let us know what her group discussed. Okay, great. Yeah, we had a great discussion. Um, and one of the things we started out with was talking about parking in the neighborhoods and sort of what were our priorities. And there seemed to be consensus um, in our group that the real priority in, in neighborhood and local access streets is pedestrian safety. Um, you know, there are certain areas maybe closer to the park that receive um, higher amounts of on-street parking, but in general, pedestrian safety is the major focus. And there's some streets that just don't have that parking volume. Um, and so then talking about pedestrian facilities, um, I think we heard good things about all the solutions mentioned and that um, our conversation was really, it, it, you know, it's hard to find a, a one size fits all measure, you know, maybe certain areas where there are greater safety concerns, maybe near corners or blind sections is where you need a protected pedestrian area. Um, one comment we had too was the need for lighting for pedestrian safety, um, maybe low lighting or lampposts that fit the neighborhood character would go together well with these um, pedestrian and safety solutions. Um, we talked about speed a little bit and unlike Holmes Point Drive, similar to parking in the majority of the local access streets, speed doesn't seem to be a huge concern. Um, and we then talked about, sorry, last page of notes here. Um, we talked about these different improvements, you know, pedestrian improvements, uh, possible widening for trees, but mainly with pe pedestrians um, and that trade-off of possible tree removal. Um, and we kind of had mixed opinions. Uh, we heard that maybe it's okay um, here and there as long as things are getting replanted. But again, we heard, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach and you really need to consider size, species, and context. So, um, yeah. All right, Good thank conversation. you. Uh, how about you, Sierra? How, how was your group? Had a, um, a very similar conversation in my group. Um, we did start off with a conversation about parking um, and came to the consensus that it's not um, really a concern um, having on-street parking um, on these streets um, and that pedestrian safety is the main focus. Um, we did talk uh, quite a bit about the preferred um, pedestrian facility types um, in my group uh, we like the look of, um, you know, uh, having a separated pathway, um, either gravel or concrete that has um, some landscaping, although um, maintenance of the landscaping was definitely a concern. 
um, and then uh, those buffered uh, pedestrian trails um, that have the curb on them. Um, we're also, uh, my group is very interested in those, um, but uh, as with Catherine's group, we decided that it's, it's we discussed it's definitely um, no, not a one size fit all um, when there's places in the neighborhood that definitely need um, more attention than others in terms of safety and prioritizing some of those facilities. Um, and that just site distance and um, road maintenance in general is a concern. Um, uh, cutting back vegetation that's grown on, into the roadway um, is one of the biggest challenges in general. Okay. Um, how about the group with Mandy and Hunter? Oh, you're on mute, Mandy. Thank you. It's been a long day. I apologize. Okay. Um, yes, very similar, very similar conversation. We talked in our group about having pedestrians as a priority on these local streets or, or a lot of kids that are walking to school and more important than parking. Although we did talk about, you know, that some, some streets may need parking and that as designers consider the design solutions for streets, that should definitely be considered. You know, is there a demand for parking here and where can it fit if, if that's the case? But over and above that pedestrian um, safety was a priority and having a path. Um, we talked about the different ways to have a path. Um, there, you know, there was a, a preference mentioned about the separated path with landscape in the middle but then there was also concern about that getting wider. And um, at the same time, you know, may, we recognize that maybe it's not just a cookie cutter approach, but something that has to be fit through the corridor. So for example, you might have a separate path for part of the length, but then if you're coming up to a mature tree, you come in um, curb tight and have a raised um, sidewalk with curb in that area. Uh, so kind of similar conversations as a lot of other folks. Um, let me just see if I got everything here. Um, yeah, and we did talk about it doesn't always have to be paved. It could be just a compacted gravel, crushed rock type of surface as well. So, yeah. Okay, good to hear that we're getting some neighborhood consensus. Yeah, yeah. Did you experience the same in your group or did you have find some, some other discussions? Yeah, you're not going to hear anything new from me, really. Um, <laughs> We, we kicked off the conversation about parking and uh, that the, the, the consensus was that parking typically isn't uh, an issue in these neighborhood streets. And, you know, I was able to try to narrow down a cross-section of preference and really settled uh, talking a lot about Northeast 129th Street. We had that one image with the roadway width and specifically with uh, standard B minus the parking, really honing in on that separated walkway and, and wanting that as potentially a gravel path to make it more, uh, you know, less of an impervious feel and more of a trail feel, but have some sort of a separation. And, uh, but the parking was something that was a bit of an afterthought. Being able to have pedestrian safety and separation was important. The uh, concept of speed was that sometimes the speeds are arbitrarily slow and that even for residents themselves, they end up going over the 20 mile per hour speed limit because it's 
is somewhat slow. And so focusing on maybe of a speed limit of 25 miles per hour would be more practical without being overly conservative. And so that may allow people to violate speeding a little less so in a way. And finally, um, it's just, just that the, the new standard shouldn't be out of character, that bikes can perfectly use the road in residential ways as a, as a share row, um, but subtracting the parking and giving that space for a walkway. Great, great feedback. Thank you everybody uh, for, for those conversations. Uh, we are ahead of schedule. Uh, before we move on to um, kind of an unscientific poll to get a little bit more quantitative data from you all, uh, we, and then get to your unanswered questions, we wanted to touch base on the next step in this process. Um, so with your feedback today, uh, our facilitators took great notes and we'll be incorporating that into uh, the plan. They are also taking this to the Transportation Commission for their valuable input. Um, so your feedback and the transportation's feedback will be combined into a final recommendation that we would like to bring back to this group again before it goes to city council. Um, and of course, always, if you're so inclined, both the Transportation Commission and city council, um, a lot of time at the start of each meeting for public comment. Um, and so you're able to provide direct comments to those bodies uh, either uh, via Zoom or you can also make them via email. Um, I will, we do have a project website that I am going to, um, I'll put in the chat. If you go to our new website at the city at kirklandwa.gov and use the search bar for Holmes Point, it comes up as the second option. Um, and from there, we will post the recording of this meeting, uh, the presentation. So if you have uh, neighbors that didn't get a chance to come, that's where you can direct them for more information on what we're doing. So I will put that in the chat box, but uh, let me launch this quick poll, uh, only six questions, and uh, then we'll get to any unanswered questions that you have. And if you're done with the poll, if you have any questions you want, uh, you can just toss them in the chat box. 
I'll give the poll one more minute. Okay, 10 more seconds just to be sure. Okay. And it does look like we have some questions. Uh, what other neighborhoods has the city conducted a similar street study, street standard study, I see. Um, should we look to Joel to help us with that one? Sure, um, I can help with that. Um, actually, none um, of this particular, especially with the residential streets. Um, we have looked at other streets, I would say, like Holmes, Holmes Point Drive, where we have do like a corridor study uh, style thing. We did something actually similar for... Um, Juanita Drive a number of years ago and have looked at other corridors. But when it comes to residential streets, um, we have a fairly standard set of cross sections, um, but we recognize that because Holmes Point is a fairly unique area for a number of different reasons um, that we felt like this, and this was something we got feedback on out of the Finn Hill neighborhood plan. And so we'll be, um, that's why we're doing the study. Great, thank you, Joel. Uh, and, and I'd also add that when the Finn Hill neighborhood plan was adopted in January of 2018, and there was advocacy for this study, the city council agreed to do it. Thank you. Uh, Scott Morris asks, can residents who haven't participated tonight submit comments about issues discussed at the meeting, and to whom should they address any comments or questions? Absolutely, thank you for that question. Um, on our project website, um, which I said I would put in the chat and have not yet, um, both Hunter and my uh, contact information are on the project website, so they can um, submit uh, email to that. Um, we, is there any other, I think that's the best way is to have, uh, have them review the documents on the website and then submit um, comments uh, that direction. Um, I would suggest it happens, you know, in the next week or two, just because I know we're wanting to move forward um, with the presentation and then get the final final report going. So um, I would uh, say that we will have that posted um, early next week, and then we can um, share out to the group that it's posted, so you can let all of your your neighbors and uh, acquaintances know that it's there. Um, how about for city staff? Has any one of you actually walked the roads there? Uh, show of hands or... <laughs> and actually, Rosalie, uh, I think there was someone from OTAC who responded to that question. 
I did. I was Mandy. And Shelly, you were in my group, so I feel like I know you. <laughs> but I just want to say, yes, our Sierra was one of the ones that was out with the field team and walked every street. We did measurements and photographs and cataloged conditions. So that was one of the things that really that level of analysis is what really alerted us to a lot of the issues and challenges that we presented tonight and why we wanted to come back and get some feedback on some of these key questions. So thank you. <laughs> Anyone else? I know I haven't, um, except for the uh oh Denny part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, from Scott, uh, the city just redid the parking section at Finn Hill St. Edwards at the north egress of Holmes Point Drive has something been considered for the south end near Juanita Woodlands? Again, that's, I'm not familiar with is, um, I hate to call on Joel again, but Joel, is that something you're familiar with? No, I'm not. Okay. It's like something to look into. Uh, Mandy responded. Catherine, does the study plan include input or review comments with traffic enforcement department? I, I think that um, if and when we get to the point where the community and the city have uh, some ideas about the standards they would like to establish for Holmes Point, uh, we would have an interdepartmental team look at it that would include planning and building and public works and uh, the police department and the fire department to um, have them opine and, uh, and guide uh, you know, the ultimate decision because it needs to work for, say, everyone. So um, uh, the police department or traffic enforcement will be a part of the uh, ultimate review. Let's see. Um, I see a comment here from Ed, not really a question. So thank you for that, Ed. And then uh, from Mark, would it be possible to send out a postcard alerting Holmes Point residents of this movement so they might be able to offer their opinions, ideas, questions before decisions are made? Or did this happen already? Um, I know we didn't do a postcard mailing, um, but we were relying on the uh, communication through uh, our normal channels to get uh, attendance. Um, we had a number of people uh, sign up for this meeting more than uh, you know showed up. And so uh, we are looking to you to alert your neighbors if there is uh, you know people that you talked with that you know that they have, uh, concerns or issues, we invite those comments from them. Um, I don't know that we're planning to do a postcard mailing uh, for the neighborhood. What was the normal channel that you used to to in, in, initially to um, start this process? Was it um, you know somebody being uh, signing up on the city of Kirkland website for information regarding Holmes Point? I mean. They, they would have to, had to have been proactive regarding that. So 
for the general just neighbor that just kind of lives their life and is concerned about where they live, but maybe isn't actively involved. They had no idea that this was happening. And, you know, it's kind of spread by word of mouth. So you're probably getting more people than you did last time in December. So you know, that would have been a, that would have been a great thing to do to be able to, you know, cause it sounds like a big deal to me. It's, it's a big deal to, to talk about moving people's, you know, lines of, of right away and taking trees down. And I feel like, you know, I'm on here giving my opinion, but I'm only one person and, you know, I matter a little bit, but there's a lot of other people that matter that probably don't even know this is even happening. It involves a lot of people. So. Yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're making a really excellent point. And we all for the last 15 months have been trying to lead our normal lives. Yeah, I know. Uh, this mechanism <laughs> you know, uh, visual conferences rather than uh, in-person public meetings and that sort of thing. I, I, I know that the, uh, the staff team and the consulting team uh, will get together about how do, we, um, how do we have greater assurance that the Holmes Point community writ large uh, has had an opportunity to participate and not just those who um, have set aside time this evening and, and the other meetings. But uh, I think it's safe to say that tonight we don't have an answer about how we're going to do that, but your point is very well made. Thank you. And I see your comment, James, as well about um, a, a possible way that we could reach more of the Holmes Point residents. So thank you for that. And I think that that is the end of the question. So um, we want to just thank you uh, for participating tonight. We hope that you uh, found it worthwhile and were able to actually uh, provide feedback on uh, kind of the proposal that we have worked up. And uh, we will be reaching out to this group again. Um, and in, you know, in essence, a larger group as much as we can uh, going forward. Um, as I mentioned, the Transportation Commission will uh, hear this, and that's another opportunity for people to hear about this. And then it will also be going to council um, eventually once we get uh, the 